Welcome to Guy Talk. My name is Carol Burns. I'm here with my co-hosts, Eric Garrison and Tony Green. And we just want to spend a little time with you all today and just um, discuss a topic that we hope uh, is appealing to you all and something that you all will enjoy. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Doing well. How are you guys doing? Yeah, doing good. How about yourself, uh, sir? Doing well, doing well, doing well. I'm good. Yeah. Very good. Glad to be back home. Oh, yeah. All right. Got a good topic today that um, it's 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 something that's affecting everyone right now. It's going on. It's um, it's all over the news, um, all over social media. You know, it, it's a constant thing that's going. And right now it has to do with the, the climate in the country as far as political climate, racial climate, um, just how everyone's being affected by it and how we can actually overcome it. Um, it's something that, you know, it, it, it plays out in our everyday lives right now and it's affecting everyone. I mean, whether you're, you're, you're somebody you've been friends with for years, you know, and that tension can come up just once you get on the subject of politics or um, just the racial tension and climate that's going on in the country now. So I just want to get you guys thoughts on that. Yeah, um, very interesting uh, topic. Um, you know, it is something that is going around a lot. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody has their opinion. Uh, it can cause some contention at times as well. Um, you know, for me, it's an interesting topic because, for one, let me let me start out by saying that I do believe that most people in our country are not racist. I, I truly believe that. I think that most of us are just trying to make a living and just trying to take care of our families and trying to make it day by day. You know, with that said, though, I think that unfortunately that those who are, you know, can cause, a, you know, a, a ripple between everybody. Right. Uh, I think there's several different levels of racism. I think, um, you know, just for me and what I've seen on social media, I think that you know, when it comes to it, it's, it's a hard topic to talk about because it's hard for us to know anybody's heart. You know, when we're talking, sometimes we may see a white person say something and we say, oh, you're racist, you know, and then vice versa. Right. And so I think that, you know, when you look at it, I think you have racism where, you know, hey, I'll hang out with a black person, but I don't want my daughter to marry one. Right. Or mm -hmm. you may say, hey, you know, I can hang out with a black person, but I don't want a black person to be president of the United States, if that makes sense. I think right. there's different levels. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it, and it is a subject that's, um, that's really touchy to, to have to talk with, talk, talk with people about. And I think that's really the main problem is that we don't talk about it. And, Correct. you know, if we, if we sit down and talk to each other objectively and, and listen to each other, and listen to each other's hearts, I think was something we could overcome. Um, I was in a unique situation where I was at, always went to Catholic um, elementary school and Catholic high schools, and they were the culture was very, very, very diverse. So I didn't really understand uh, racism until, you know, after I got out of high school. I didn't understand that there was a such thing. I didn't understand that, that people looked at people differently because of the color of their skin or because of where they came from. Um, and that was something that was really eye-opening to me. Um, and, and, and I had to really to come to grips with it. And it, it, I, it was shocking to me because it was never something that ever came up 
you know, in my years of growing up when I was younger and then even in high school, it, it just never came up because I went to small, close knit uh, high schools. Uh, I mean, schools. So, you know, I think our, I, my high school, the largest we ever had in uh, ninth through 12th grade was 450 students. So it was it was a really small school. So I never you know, everyone was close knit. You know, all the parents knew each other. Uh, we all, you know, most of the kids grew up with each other, even though they didn't go to the same elementary school, you know, through sports and everything, we all knew each other. So that was, it was a strange thing for me. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's something that I was fortunate that I grew up the way I did because, you know, everyone's parents, different races, they were all friends. You know, we did all kinds of school functions together and, you know, so everyone spent time together and, you know, it was, it was until I got out of that setting that I understood that people looked at each other differently because of, you know, race and because of politics, you know, uh, whatever your political affiliation is. Yeah. And I would say that my experience was drastically different from that. I spent the first eight years or so of my school career in California and Growing up in Southern California was very diverse. Uh, one of my best friends was Samoan. Uh, I had Mexican friends. I had white friends. I had black friends. So I grew up around a lot of different people. When we moved to Memphis, it was like my whole world got flipped upside down. The high school that I went to had about 2,000 students. There were about 500 in my graduating class. Of that, there were probably less than 30 black students in that graduating class. In fact, I believe there were probably less than 30 to 40 black students in the school total in my high school. So I primarily went to high school around white students. There were a handful of Asian students and maybe a couple of Hispanic students, but it was predominantly white. And based on that, I never felt that anybody treated me differently when I was there, but looking back on my time in school, I can kind of reflect and, and think of things that happened and think that I don't remember them treating anybody else this way or doing these things to anybody else in school. And it's a situation where like some of my best friends are white and I don't believe that they're racist, but sometimes they tend to have what I would say are racist tendencies, or they may subconsciously do or say things that might be perceived as racist. And I don't believe that in their heart, they, they feel that they're better than anybody else, but just the way that they've grown up may cause them to portray themselves as possibly appearing racist. Yeah. And, and for me, that is a, a, and I say it a lot with people, that is a, a touchy word. Uh, racism is a, and racist is a touchy word for me because um, I think that word has a lot of power. And when you throw it around flippantly um, and you, you make every situation you want to call it racist or racism, I think that power, that, that, that word tends to lose its power. Because when you, know, when you used to constantly just throw something around flippantly, people don't pay attention to it anymore. And it's a very powerful word. And that's why, you know, I, I'm very careful to say that someone may be prejudiced, which just simply means they see things in a different way, not necessarily um, the same way I see them. 
But racist is to actually dislike or hate another person because of the color of their skin. And it's a vast difference between those two words. And that's why I get, I really get upset when people throw the word racism or racist around very flippantly. That, that bothers me because you, you make the word lose its power. Right. And I agree with that. And I think that there are situations where someone will say or do something that one person will say is racist. But when you really look at what was said or what was done, it's not racist. It was it was just offensive. But they may not have really believed or felt that in their heart that that's how they really feel. Like if someone says an off color joke or repeat something that they've heard, that doesn't make them racist. It just means that they might just be a little bit offensive. I know plenty of people that are pretty much offensive regularly, but I don't believe that they are bigoted or racist in that way. They could be prejudiced, like you like you said, but I don't think they would come across as being racist. And, and I... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that using that term continually, it does tend to lose its power because now everything that happens, you're labeling someone the same way, but you're not really looking at the situation as a whole. You're just looking at that one instance. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And I think, you know, with the word race, races it it is getting out of hand i think with us also when you talk about the politics of it all it's interesting because i was thinking about this and i was thinking about in the 80s you think about stories just think about where you were and you think about the news right anytime you've seen stories about african americans they tend to have been negative where you know we shot somebody or we were shown in a in a bad light, you know, and I've seen that a lot. And that's and and I was just like, man, you know, somebody shooting somebody over Jordans or whatever, where when it first started. But now you think about it, it seems like everybody uh, on the Democratic side is throwing us a pity party. Right. They're picking the stories that can get some attention. And I think it's black people. We have to really be careful about that when it comes to politics. Because I think that we can be used and not even know it, and they're just using us to help us vote for somebody or to use us to, you know, cause a lot of the things that people, you know, commotion that people want to vote for, if that makes sense. And I think that we have to be careful because we are very prideful, and that's okay, right? Uh, You know, we're very prideful people just because of what we've been through in our country. But sometimes whenever we, you know, hear about these stories where, you know, we're getting shot or we're doing this and that, I think sometimes we have to look, sit back and wait for the facts to come out before, you know, we we start to, you know, do the things that we do. And, and you know, even with the riots and stuff, you know, I think it's sad that we, we do that, you know, um, which I don't condone that because of the fact that. You know, it hurts other people who are not even involved. Right. But, you know, we have to really be careful about the politics side of it, because it's, it's kind of scary how we're being portrayed as victims a lot more than what we used to. And it kind of makes you wonder why has that changed all of a sudden 
to where we used to just have nothing but negative stories about us being animals. But now, you know, moving forward to now, we're being portrayed as, hey, a black man unarmed was shot. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, understand, I understand where you're coming from on that. My, I guess my biggest thing is we, we have to make sure we don't always perpetuate the stereotype. But it's sometimes the, that stereotype is put on us because of one person's experience with one person. They, they basically categorize, you know, a whole race of people because of one experience. And I think that that's a little unfair, but that that does happen, but it happens on both sides. Um, I think the history of, of, of how, you know, people of color have been treated um, in this, in this country is something that was never dealt with and addressed the way it needed to be done. So I think that's why a lot of times things are coming out the way they are now where people are so sensitive to it and they've gotten really so fed up. But at the same time, Sometimes the wrong people can take that and fuel that for their own benefit. Um, Correct. It, it, it amazes me that anytime something comes up where there's an incident where it's, where it's Michael Brown, Philando Castile, um, Al Sharpton will show up. He'll show up, he'll be there for a while, and then he disappears. And what I've, I've found um, really to be truthful in a lot of cases and I, I don't want to attack him, but a lot of times he will put himself in position to get some things organized and disappears because he's paid to disappear by the people that don't want that organ what was what he's organized to to progress. If that if that makes any sense, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense the way I'm saying it, but I think you know it. it he shows up for a payday and then disappears. Now I can't judge his heart. But that's what I've seen, and that's what I've, I've, I've noticed behind the scenes in a lot of things that have happened. Um, but I, I do believe that there are injustices that go on in this country, and there have been for centuries. Um, and I think the biggest problem is no one has ever, from the other side, has ever looked at it enough and said, okay, this has got to stop, that has had a strong enough voice to do anything about it. Um, You know, I think the George Floyd murder, I think people seeing that on TV, seeing it happen firsthand, it struck a chord with a lot of them because they're like, hey, this really is happening. You know, we've been saying it for years. We've known that this has been going on in our community for years. But I think some people actually saw that, you know, people of non-people of color saw that and said, Okay, there may be something to this. So something really is going on. I need to I need to, to speak up. I need to say something. I need to, to pay attention. So I, I think I think that 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 was loud. That was spoke loudly and I think that was that was a critical pinnacle point um in our country. I do I do agree with you on that for sure. I do. I, I when I saw that video, I was just really shocked. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and that's the thing that, that really disheartened me is that, you know, although I feel like most people are not racist, I do think that there are 
people that do things like that because of the color of our skin and they think they can get away with it, right? I do believe that with all my heart. And it's sad. And I think what he did, even though he was being filmed, you know, and you just look at his posture, it was like, you know what? I don't care what you guys say. I'm going to get away with it regardless. Nobody cares about this guy and what he does. And I think it was very shameful. And, you know, and, and the thing that I don't understand is that the excuse that people give for it is that, well, he shouldn't be resisting arrest or, you know, he was on drugs or he was this and that. But when you see the video, it tells you a different story. You know, you have the guy subdued, right? Why keep, if he tells you that he can't breathe and, you know, and he's, you know, he's on his stomach, he's not going anywhere. Why not move your leg? And that's the thing that really bothers me because you could do this in public and get away with it almost and people will make excuses for it and it doesn't matter about what somebody did before that point none of us are perfect none of us are perfect right and he was already subdued if he said he couldn't breathe and you you know why not let him go or you know get your knee up because you still have him subdued so that's one of the things that i wonder what are people thinking in that moment? You know, what was he thinking? Was he thinking, hey, I'm the law, I'll get away with this? Was he thinking, hey, I'm white against black? And you don't know. That's the sad part. But you do know what you saw. And that, I, and you know, and, and some people say, well, he would have died anyway. You don't know that. Right. You do not know if he would have died. We know that the cause of death was because you had, he said he couldn't breathe and you had a knee on his neck, you know? And that's really troubling and it's sad, really. It really is. Yeah. And yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, and it's, it's, I, I actually shared this video on Facebook the other day that I've seen it before. Uh, actually, I'd seen it a couple of times before and I shared it before and I just felt like I needed to share it again where it just shows the difference in treatment a lot of times. And I think, Honestly, I think the media, television, and I think music plays a big part in it and, and how black men are viewed because there was a video I, sh I shared the other day where there was a white gentleman got pulled over on the side of the road on the highway and he, the police approached him and asked him to stick his, uh, to put his hands on the steering wheel. He said no. He had a gun on his, um, his seat beside him. And the police officer asked him to put his gun, uh, put his hands um, on the steering wheel. And he said, no, I'm not doing it. Why are you pulling me over? And then the gentleman put his hand on the gun and the policeman asked him, pulls his gun and says, stop, don't do that. Another policeman comes up and they say, well, you need, you need to get out of the car, get out of the car. He said, I'm not getting out of the car. And they said, get out of the car. He said, I'm not getting out of the car. And they told him, well, take your hand off the gun. He said, I'm not doing anything. I don't have to. This is my gun. This is America. I can do what I want to do. And then he pulled off. You look at that video and then you look at Philando Castile, where the officer asked him to, you know, show his ID. He went into his pocket, you know, and, and he had, he was he was carrying. He was open carrying and he told the, the officer he had a permit to carry. He went into his pocket to pull the his driver's license out after the policeman told him and the policeman shot him and killed him. You know, in a split second. So, you know, there's just a difference in treatment. But I think part of that is because there is a fear that has been generated by the media, by television, by, you know, our own 
music in the black community, you know, from rap music and things like that, that we are a threat and we're always viewed as a threat to a lot of people. And we play some role in that, but I think that is how we're viewed and that is how we're treated in a lot of cases. Well, and I, and I also too, with my statement about believing, um, you know, most people are not racist, including black people as well. I also think that most of us are not thugs either. I think that just because you listen to rap music doesn't make you a thug. It's just that's the kind of music you like. It's just like white people listening to rock. Sometimes we stereotype that as using drugs or whatever, and people think that it just because we listen to rap that we, you know, and they associate that with gangbang, you know, and you're right, the stereotypes and what the media portrays of, of us not a good thing. I mean, I've met so many people from other states that have never been around a black person before, but you talk to them and the only thing that they know about us is what they see on the news. And typically when we're in the news, it's either we got shot for doing something or we did something bad. You know, (laughs) it's, it's a, it's a sad stereotype that has been, and, and, and like you said, sometimes we, we do things to that, that, um, provoke those things but i think as a whole it still doesn't explain why these type of things are being are happening and i and i saw a video too where you know it was a it was a white young white guy in his car um and he got out of his car it was a police officer there i mean the the guy was just running after the police officer the guy had his gun pulled wouldn't shoot him he just kind of ran from him he got in his car he you know kind of drove like he was going to hit the officer and he never fired a shot and it's unfortunate that you the first thing you think about well had that person been black he would have been dead a long time ago right i think i know which video you're talking about too yes but there's been several instances that have been recorded where we see a white individual do something that a black person would never dare to even attempt to do without knowing for a fact that you're going to die that day and there's been several pictures floating around as well when you look at the list of all of the mass shooters that have popped up over the last year and a half and every single one of them was arrested without injury but you have all of these unarmed black men that are murdered for no reason and there's too many examples there's too many names to count now where it seems like it's almost every month there's a new person that gets murdered and this month it's dante wright um and i don't know the full story about it i just know that based on what's happened he was unarmed and he was in the car and he was a young black male that was killed by the police. And there's there seems to be too many instances where this is happening, but in our community, we know that it's not new. The only thing that's really new about it is that these instances are being filmed more. They are being reported on more, but the frequency as to which it happens has not increased. It's just getting more visibility in the media on what's going on. Right. Yeah. And, and you're, you're exactly right. Cause that's, that's a very valid point. It's, it's, it's not happening more and, but it, it's, 
it's because it's being videoed and, and, and recorded more often and being exposed. Um, I mean, I re- remember living in Jackson, Mississippi, and there were, um, you know, Brandon, Mississippi, you know, was right next to Jackson. And you knew not to go to jail in Brandon. You know, I, I would hear guys talk about this. You don't want to go to jail in Brandon because your family may ne- never hear from you again. I mean, that, it, that's so it's things like that. They've been that's just been going on for a long time. But just like you said, it's now being recorded. Um, and I think that's the key thing, you know, and, and so, so what do we do to combat that? What do we, what do we do to, um, to, to, to remedy that, bring attention and make people understand what's going on and how we're being treated and, and how, you know, what, what's the solution? Well, I think, um, I think one, I think that we, we need to, one, we need to use the power that we have as minorities. And first, we need to start voting the right people into office. I think that the people who are, you know, um, making the laws and making the rules, those people need to be voted out, you know. And I think we need to use that to our advantage to get people in there who can help change what needs to be changed. Because if we keep having the same people that have been there for decades and nothing's going to change more than likely nothing's going to change because those people are set in their ways. And I think we have to come together and use that power that, you know, minorities have fought for and died for, for years. And we have to do that. And for people to take us seriously, I think we need to do more protest. And, you know, instead of um, reacting in, you know, violence, I think that we need to be more positive and put our numbers like, you know, when Dr. King did it, you know, and people didn't think that it would make a difference. But, man, we wouldn't be where we are without him and the protests and the sacrifices that people made. And I think that's where it starts. We have a lot more power than what we give ourselves. I mean, sometimes we say, oh, nothing's going to change. So, you know, sometimes we do act prideful and we take that to violence. And I think if we do that, people will not take us seriously because they see us as a bunch of animals. And I think that if we can change that and use that voting power and, you know, and you see some of these laws are changing um, and some of them are kind of ridiculous. And I think that they're doing it because they know that if we come together and we, you know, we have somebody who can bring us all together, that those people are not going to be voted in anymore. So now, just like days of old, while they're in office, they're making laws to make it harder for us to get them out of office. Right. And that's exactly what I was going to say in terms of the first way that we can, the first thing that we can do to make changes is to vote. However, it's important that we vote in our local elections. And too many people ignore the local elections. They they only focus on the glamour elections, which are Senate, Congress, and presidency. But you need to vote for your representatives. You need to vote for the people that actually have the power to have a voice for the changes that we need in our own communities. And if we don't vote on the local level, we'll never get anything changed on a state level or a national level. And it's very important that we keep the people elected that have our best interest at heart, not the people that are the right color and when I say the right color, I mean red or blue. We need right. people that have the right heart for the job. Because 
in our elections, too many people vote based solely on whether or not someone's running as a Democrat or a Republican, right. regardless of who they are as a person, regardless of the type of track record they have, regardless of their history, regardless of how they actually feel. Some people don't care. If he's a Republican, I'm going to vote for him. If he's a Democrat, I'm going to vote for him. And that's the worst possible way to vote for someone because that's how we ended up with the last four years is that you have people that vote for party over country instead of the other way around. Well, and, you know and what oh, go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say that's, that's actually a great point, you know, about the local and, and knowing somebody's heart because it made me think of even right now. So, you know, being a realtor, I, um, I had an appointment. This was probably about three years ago. I had an appointment with a lady who called me. She wanted me to, um, you know, to help her sell her home. And, you know, we had a great conversation and I made an appointment with her. So and it was probably about two or three days later. So I, I arrive at the appointment on time like I always do. And I knock on the door and nobody ever answered. I called her. She never answered the phone. And I thought that was just so weird. I was like, man. You know, I thought we hit it well, but she never called me back or anything. So not too long after that, I had a her daughter actually uh, messaged me on Facebook and she has said, hey, I just wanted to let you know that my mom never called you back because she had met with a realtor um, before you. And all he did was talk bad about you. And I told my mom, I was like, why would you go with somebody who's dogging another realtor? So fast forward to today, that same agent um, has been calling me and has messaged me and said, hey, I'm running for this office. And he said that, um, you know, I want to use your social media, you know, (laughs) basically to help him get elected. And so at that time, I basically um, blocked him on my Facebook so he couldn't see anything that I'm doing because I knew who it was. And so when he called me, he said, you know, I couldn't find you on Facebook. I don't know. You know, I know we never had any issues, but I'm thinking, you know, you are asking me, you know, for one, you're not even asking me, you know, to, hey, can you listen to me to to see what I got, see what I can make a difference? You basically are telling me, you know, I want to use your social media to help me get elected. But three years ago, you were talking bad about me to another person, which you didn't know that, you know, I knew. So it's like, okay, do I want to vote for you after I know that you're a scum, you know? And I'm like, you know, and had I not known that, I probably would have done that. And I'm thinking, and you're right. So, you know, it's all about the heart. If he would do that to me, just business wise, what will he do business wise once he gets elected in that particular office? Right. And I think that integrity is one thing that is incredibly lacking in politics. Yes. Because people just want to win. They will tell you everything that you want to hear to get you in, to get them in the door. But once they're in there, they forget they ever knew you. But, you know, I'll tell you what I think. I think that's on us, though. Because we don't hold our our public officials, our politicians, we don't hold hold them accountable the way we need to. So I think that's on yeah. us. They they we allow them to use. They work for us. They are going to work for us to do the things that we ask them to do to benefit us. 
and to make our communities and our, our cities and our country better. But if we don't hold them accountable to the things they're promising us to do, and you know, and a lot of times we aren't doing it, if we don't hold them accountable, then they're just going to continue to do the things they're doing. You know, so that that part yeah. is on us. That's on us. And, 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 you know, and I'll say this going back to, our, you know, what we're saying about how we we fix the things that are broken right now, um, as far as the racial tension and things like that. I think as people of color, what we have to do, you know, I used to complain about um, how we acted our own communities, how we were killing each other. We were robbing from each other, beating each other up, you know, in our own communities. And, you know, it, you know, throughout history, there's a thing that, you know, they call white flight. You know, when all it takes is one black person to move to a neighborhood, then all the white people move out of the neighborhood. You know, that's something that's been said for a long time. But that is the same thing in our own communities. There's black flight, too. As soon as we get, you know, well enough uh, financially, we take off and we go somewhere else. And we never stay in that community, help build that community, help fix the things that, we, that need to be fixed to bring others up in that community. So that community continues to go down. There continues to be poverty and crime in that community. And it becomes a community no one ever wants to live, live in again. So then the people that have grown up in that community, they continue to repeat that cycle because they never get, bring themselves up to get out of that community or to make themselves better in that community. So their children see this and they grew up in the same community, the same thing. And it's a repetitive cycle. No one steps in and says, hey, we could be better than this. We can live better than this. So if we don't care about our own communities, we can't complain and expect another another culture or race to, you know, care about that community either. I think that's a good point. I mean, I, I think that's very valid. And, you know, and we've seen just in media, too, that even the, the you know, black people who are in power, you know, are doing some crooked things and not giving the money to the community. You know, and right. I think sometimes we take advantage of that power. And instead of doing, you know, what we were elected to do, you know, we're shady and we're taking all this money, you know, and we're not giving it where it needs to go. But we're we're keeping it for ourselves and doing, you know, crooked schemes. And, you know, and that's it, you know, and, and here's the thing, too, though, you know, when you think about our communities, too, you know, a lot of it has to do with the choices that we make as well. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that, you know, here, here's the thing. Our Heavenly Father is amazing. I do believe that our Heavenly Father loves each and every one of us the same. He knows each one of us by name. And I think that he does have influence, but sometimes you, you have to make the decision, no matter where you are born or where um, you live or whatever, you have to make the choices too to better yourself. You, you have to. We have to make that decision. And too many times we blame, you know, the other culture for where we are. But yet that person had nothing to do right. with where we are. It has to do with the decisions that we made. Right? right. I mean, I grew up in the ghetto. You know, I was shot in the ghetto, you know, and almost died at the age of 12. I could have stayed there. I could have said, you know what? you know, all me, you know, I'm not going anywhere, but I worked my butt off and it's the decisions that I made. And I think, you know, we can, we can give back as much as we can. We can help as many people as we can, but it still boils down to the individual and the decisions that they want to make. Hey, do I want to stay in the position that I am or do I want to better myself? So we can't put that all on us. 
right. because there are people that do give back. I mean, you see athletes giving back all the time. You see uh, singers and performers giving back. But at the same time, you got to be able to make that decision and say, hey, I want to change my life. And if you don't make that decision, then you cannot blame anybody but yourself. It's just like when we're all facing our Heavenly Father for judgment, we're not going to be able to, you know, no blame anybody else. Right. We're going to be standing there for ourselves, yeah. you know, but I do agree with you to the point that we need to be doing more. But I think that, you know, there are people that are doing more, but we have to make the decision of what we're going to do and how we're going to change our lives, if that makes sense. It, it does. And I'll, I'll tell you what I think about that. Um, I think there are a lot of people giving back, but the, the problem is there's too many people in those situations that in in the poverty and crime ridden situations that is it's not a reality to them to be successful and gotcha. the only the only reality for them is it's either going to be through drugs to make money it's going to be through sports you know to become a, a rich athlete um you know that that's it it's never about you know becoming ben carson a brain surgeon you know it's it's never like that because that is so too big for them and it's so unrealistic because no one close to them they've seen do this and i think that's where i think if more people go back into the communities you know stay among the community and help to build people up and show them hey this can be done if you work harder if you work harder if you put in the initiative and the problem is it's just it's not it's a fairy tale it's a fairy tale just like and i'll be honest when i was probably 12 years old um 13 14 years old I didn't think I didn't. It never came to my mind that we may ever have a black president because it just didn't seem realistic to me, you yeah. know, and that's how it is for a lot of these kids. It, it's not realistic that they can be successful in life doing anything other than than making money selling drugs or becoming a famous athlete, you know, a rich athlete. It's just not it's not realistic to them. So I think the thing about it is we have to show them as much as possible that it is it is it's, it's a reality. It can happen. But this is what it takes to do it. And let me help you along the way. And I think that will help them to make a conscious decision that, hey, if I if I work hard, I can do this. You know, I mean, there's just too many examples of people that have come from nothing to be extremely successful. You know, there's but to the average person, you know, living in, in a poverty crime ridden area, it's just not a reality. And we've got to help make that a reality to them. So let me ask you. So I have a question for both of you guys, because that that does make a lot of sense. And then I I would say when you think about it, so you think about us as a culture, right? Um, God, for the most part, and our Savior are, you know, are two of the biggest uh, centers of uh, centers at the center of our lives, because, you know, we don't have much in a lot of cases. Right. So we go to church, we, you know, we, we praise them, we pray. So when you think about those situations, so now you think about, okay, well, you know, God loves us all, right? And we, we learn these things that, you know, the pastors teach about becoming somebody, you know, prayer and things like that. So you, you think about, um, you think about God's part in it all, right? You know, if I'm a young black guy, I don't have a role model in my life, right? And like you said, I could choose to stay in poverty or I can leave it. You know, I go to church and I and I can see what good God does for people. So 
what what is the answer then? Because, you know, we know that God loves us all. You know, is it that maybe we're choosing not to go the righteous way and we're we're going the easiest way to sell drugs or no matter how many times we hurt people? Because even if there's not somebody there like you or me or, you know, Michael Jackson or whoever, you know, for the most part, we're we're gospel based. So what happens then? Because the spirit inspires us to do good things. The spirit doesn't inspire us to do anything bad. We know that. Right. Right. So where does that play in there? Because God wants us all to be happy, right? Right. He's not, he's wanting all of us to get to him. So what part then does the gospel play in our lives? Or does that mean that we're not making the decisions? Because we know that if we ask, we shall receive, right? Right. So where does that play a part in it? Because obviously we're never alone if we have our, the spirit with us. So where does that play a part in that if we don't have a father to lead us the right way or we don't have somebody who's guiding us, but yet God said, I'm with you, ask of me and I will lead you out of darkness. So what, what, what do we think about that? I mean, does it just the choices that we make again or, you know, some people feel like God has abandoned us? I think it's the initiative. I think it's, it's, it's us taking an initiative because the thing is God God, you know, he talked about raining down manna on us, but just like the, the, the widow woman, he required her to do something and he blessed her. Usually when, when God blesses us, he requires something of us. He requires exactly. faith, number one, and then he requires some kind of action of faith. And there the thing is, if we can have faith all day long, but if faith is not faith until it's tested. So God will ask things of us. And it, it, a lot of times, we think things are too big for God because of our situation. So how are we correct. ever going to think they're not too big for us if we already think they're too big for God? That's correct. So it's, that's, it's, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, it's, it's, it's how we look at it. You know, God's never going to withhold us anything from us at all. But he is going to require a few things from us. He's going to require faith, and he's going to require us to show an act of faith. You know, um, correct. So, I mean, I, I think that is that is the difference. I think that's what what the, the situation is. And that's it's holding a lot of us back. You know, that, that there's a lot. Well, of, I was going to say, no, no, keep going. I'm sorry. There, there's a lot of things that God, you know, we you know, we could say, God, I really want to be successful in business. And God could tell us, OK, do this. Quit your job and do this. And we see that job is our source instead of seeing God and, and wanting to follow him and, and, and to what he's asking us to do. And we're like, well, no, I can't do that. Okay. God may have had that blessing right there for you. And if you're asking him, and, and I honestly believe that God blesses us according to our purpose. And the purpose that he gives us is, is, is in line with how he blesses us. If, if he's asking you to go around the world to, you know, preach the gospel or to, to help as many people, he's going to bless you financially and, and put things in your, in your path to allow you to do those things. But Correct. you got to have that faith to do that first. And if you don't have that faith to do that first, then there's nothing, then you can't see the big picture already. So there's nothing God can do. He's not going to make you do anything. He doesn't make us do anything. He wants us to do everything on our own will and accord. See, right. and that, that, that was what my point is. You, you said it perfectly, is that 
you know, we, we try to blame other people for the way people are. And at the end of the day, it boils down to the decisions that we make. Right. Right. Um, I think, like you said, it's 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 kind of like, OK, you, you go and ask God, hey, please bless me. Please help me with this. But then, you know, say the next day we're, you know, having um, sex before we're married. Right. And, you know, and we were created in his image. It's kind of like if you have a, a son. Right. And he wants to go to a party. But, you know, he got arrested for, you know, um, shoplifting i mean you're not going to want to let him go to that party because of that right right and so i you know me myself growing up and and you know i didn't have a dad in my life i didn't have anybody come in to um rescue me or to you know to to guide me i didn't but man i i went to my knees and i and i went to our heavenly father and i asked him to help me to be a better person to help me have a better situation because we grew up poor you know we were living in the cold months of the year during school with our lights out where you know we were breathing in our house and you could see the the smoke because it was just so cold outside right Mm -hmm. and i think that if we were i I think just kind of like the last thing i um on the last um, conversation that we had is that i think faith is one of the most unutilized gifts that we have as long as we have our Heavenly Father and we truly try to live our life right, I don't care who, what man is helping us because he said rely on me. I think we can get ourselves out of any situation as long as we follow our Heavenly Father and try to follow his commandments, right? And I do think there are some youth who are not taught that, right. you know, which is very sad it, that they're not being able to be taught that. But I... I, I truly think that our Heavenly Father loves us so much that I think that we can make ourselves better. And it really boils down to the situations that we have. And not only that, to to help us, not just with voting, but we as a people, we really need to follow the guidance of our Heavenly Father and have him guide us on what it is that we need to do to help these things not to happen, you know? Right. And and, it, and it's a sad thing, you know, and I, and I love our Heavenly Father with all my heart. I bear my testimony, and I know for a fact that he does not want to see his people in poverty, no matter what color they are, and he's there to help us. But how many of us are really reaching out to him and trying to get his help as opposed to relying on our own understanding, which we know can make things worse? Right. That's true. Um, and Carol, going back to one of the things that you said um, about faith, it's important that we all recognize and understand that God will not do anything for us that we won't do for ourselves. Right. And what I mean by that, that is if you're praying for God to bless you with a job and you're unemployed, but you're not putting out applications or sending your resume out, a job isn't going to magically come knocking at your door. Right. If you don't put in the work, God's not going to reward laziness. And it's important that we know that our faith will be tested at some point. And that's when you find out how strong your faith really is. It's easy to say that, well, God's doing this for me and he's blessed blessing me but when things are going bad or when things change how are you going to react when that storm comes uh one of the best examples we have of that in the bible is the 
story of Job, where he had everything and mm -hmm. then lost it. And he had a pity party for about 30 chapters. Yep. But he never blamed God. He was trying to figure out what did I do to deserve this. Right. And when he took his case to God and presented himself and he said, Lord, show me my faults. Show me where I went wrong. God restored him. And it's important. It's an important story because we see that if we keep our faith and we continue to praise God, even when things are bad, that eventually we will get out of that, that storm. But at the same time, we still got to put the work in. We still have to take accountability for the things that we're supposed to do. Because if we don't take our own actions and do what we're being told to do, things aren't just going to happen out of nothing or out of nowhere. Right. And with the way that things are portrayed in the media, in our communities, it's almost like if you're not a rapper, a ball player, or a musician, or uh, selling drugs, it seems like there's no way out because being smart has never been presented as a valid opportunity to get out of a bad situation. In fact, you get picked on, you get bullied, you get mistreated for even appearing smart or intelligent. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as if our own people want us to be ignorant about things. And that's one of the cycles that definitely needs to be broken uh, at home, but it starts at home. We have multiple generations that have now grown up on welfare and that's not new but we have to figure out how do we change something like that how do we go back into our communities and teach people who have gotten used to and grown up receiving something for nothing to now work for whatever it is that you really want and those are the types of challenges that as a community we have to face and deal with and i don't really see a clear solution to something like that well you just you just made a really good point and you know and that's something that we we have to acknowledge too is that you know in order for us to to get better as a people we have to stop criticizing each other from within and we have to stop not wanting each other to succeed or getting mad because somebody's succeeding or if somebody is coming into the community to try to truly help us you know sometimes we criticize them and say oh you uncle tom you this and you that right. and sometimes i think that we hold ourselves back because it's just the pride you know and i think that if we could just stick together you know um I think that we can accomplish so much more than if we're just, you know, picking each other apart, you know, right. because we should always want each other to succeed and to, you know, be better because as a whole that helps, that allows other people to, to, to get better as well. You know, you think about Dr. King, you know, and what he went through, you know, nobody thought that they would see, you know, um, black, 
little girls and boys and white boys and girls going to school together. And but everybody, you know, stood up for a cause and you saw the other cultures join in and say, you know what, this is wrong. And I think that we we underestimate each other and we put each other down so much. And I think you're right that 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 hurts us a lot. And it's just the cycle that continues and continues and continues. But how do we break that cycle of supporting each other to have an overall positive effect for every one of us? I think the biggest thing is, and, and, and both of you guys touched on it, I think the biggest thing is how we view ourselves. We have too many people that view ourselves negatively. And when you view yourself negative, negatively, the next thing you do is attack someone else that you think um, – looks like they're doing better than you are. So you yes. attack them as you want to bring them down to where you are because that's how you feel about yourself. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, we respond um, in life how we view ourselves. Sometimes it, it works the opposite. If we view ourselves as, as um, not good enough, sometimes we will work that, that drives us in our business, in our life, in our um, in education, everything drives us to be so successful because we want to prove, we're trying to prove to ourselves that we bet we're better than we actually view ourselves, you uh-huh. know. And then sometimes we view ourselves in a bad light where we just well forget it. I'm I'm, I'm just I'm always going to be a failure, so we we give up, and that's where we don't work hard to get to a better situation, a better place. So I think it, it starts with how we view ourselves and we've got to make we've got to make a point to in our communities really to ch- try to uplift each other and, and say, hey, you can do this. Let me help you. Let me let me show you how to do it. Not necessarily help you as, as holding your hand and doing it for you, but let me help you show you how to, to to lay the groundwork to give yourself goals to reach, you know, step by step to improve your life. But we aren't doing I that. Agree. Yeah, we aren't doing I agree. Yeah, I agree. Well, and the problem is, too, is that the people who are perceived as the quote-unquote leaders of our communities are not doing that. You know, they're in a perfect position to be able to bring about change, but, you know, they're just as crooked as everybody else, unfortunately, you know, And, and I think that if we had some true leaders that really cared about people in general and not just about money and, you know, pocketbooks, I think we could make it make a difference, but you know, also when you see these people that you upheld, um, you know, and then you find out that they're being arrested because of, you know, money fraud and things like that, then now it's like, okay, you know, we look at the next person and we, we don't take them seriously because of, you know, the past, right. you know, and, and I true. think we, we get, we get locked into this cycle. It's like, okay, we're never going to get out of this. And you're right. I think people just lose hope because, you know, it seems like everybody's out for themselves and we haven't had any real community leaders, like you said, that that will stick around and help the fight until the very end. They come in in the very beginning, get their name out there in the headlines. You know, they get probably getting paid by our culture and then getting paid by the other culture just to leave. And now, you know, and it's like, what are they going to do? Right. And and it's sad because we don't have any of those modern day leaders that we had back in the, you know, the 60s and, you know, 70s and things like that. And I think that's that's where, you know, that vicious cycle starts. And, you know, and then in that case, then what you do, what do you do? You you rely on our Heavenly Father and you have faith and you you try to do everything that you can do 
to better yourself. And, you know, and I do believe that, like you said, everybody has a purpose, you know, and hopefully those people that have that purpose to to make change will listen to that call and not run away from it. I agree. I agree. Well, guys, I think we're at our time limit here. We're going <laughs> to wrap this up. This is a really good discussion, and um, I, I hate to walk away from this one. <laughs> it's a really good discussion. I think we, Great topic. Uh, yeah, I think we got just to cover a lot of things, man, and, and really um, I, I, I gained a lot out of this, you know, and I hope you guys did as well because I think it was Absolutely. a very good discussion. And it's something well, I think we'll have to, you know, come back and, and, and you know, talk, touch on again. Yeah. Absolutely. Great discussion. Thank yeah. you, guys. All right, thank you all. Well, man, I guess uh, I'll catch you guys on the next uh, next podcast, and pray you guys have a great week. Absolutely, thanks. you too. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Once again, I want to thank you all for watching uh, or joining in with us on God Talk, and hope you all got something out of this as well. And we just ask that you continue to tune in and subscribe and follow us on God Talk. <laughs>